Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. You're listening to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. This is the ride home. I'm coming home 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 Hello folks and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. This is a edition of The Ride Home. It's been a while really haven't had the opportunity to uh, tape a ride home, but uh, I think this will serve as a ride home slash podcast for this week, um, just because of how crazy of a week it's been as far as traveling goes, and this is about the only time I can record a podcast, so... This week I had an interesting tour. I did two shows. I did a Friday night show at the Albany Bowling Center in Albany, Minnesota. Uh, It was a fundraiser show for the uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital, which uh, was really cool. I'm glad to be a part of that. And then right after the show I drove um, 12 hours to Cincinnati to open the show for Michael Cabanero at the Taft Theater, which was amazing. So, um, last I left you guys last week, I did a uh, podcast talking about my love of magic and the start of the uh, Michael Cabanero tour, and I had yet to do my first uh, family show on Saturday in Madison. So, um... The show went well in Madison. I am getting more and more confident with my uh, children-friendly comedy show. And it's so interesting when you talk to comics that are like, Oh, God, I can never do a children's comedy show. I can't be that much of a goof and a silly head and, and a fraud and all this kind of stuff. And I don't really see it that way. I mean... Um, I don't think children comedy is as, is as hard or as much of a sellout as people try to make it. Now, granted, there are comedians in that realm who don't have the writing chops to write funny jokes for all ages. So what they have to fall back on is music and impressions and physical comedy and all that kind of stuff to fill the gap, which is fine. I, uh, I just made a decision a long time ago that I wasn't going to be a character on stage, that uh, I put the guitar away about eight years ago, and I really just wanted to focus on the craft of stand-up comedy, like the writing and and just really focus on that part of it and slowly 
as I started getting more opportunities to do corporate shows and college shows and realized how much money was in the cleaner side of comedy, obviously I just started gravitating more towards that side of it. And uh, it also interested me because in like 15 years of comedy, you know, you, you kind of want to still test yourself to see if you're able to accomplish things. And, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything like that, but uh, I'd like to think that I'm in a very, very rare uh, section of the, of the comedy community who are able to do um, family-friendly comedy. They're able to do corporate comedy. I'm able to do college comedy. I'm able to do club comedy. Um, pretty much any scenario that you put me in, I'm able to chameleon myself and get the laughs. And I think, for me at least, is it's just rooted in the idea of funny is funny, you know? Because I, I, I think it was Bill Cosby that said, and, and I'm not, you know, with everything that is happening with him right now, quoting him is probably not the, the best way to get a point across, <laughs> but I want it to be a correct quote, and it was Bill Cosby who said it, and he basically said, if you take the swear words out of a joke, and it's not funny, it was never funny, and some people might argue with me, fuck is a very funny word, I'm not going to lie, and when I do a club show, a joke that's uh, normally clean at children's shows, I do like saying the word fuck in it, because it's pretty much the only time I say fuck in my whole act, and it, it gives it that kind of shock factor, it's uh, the joke about when my daughters tell me that there's a monster in the closet, and I let it sit there for a second, and then I go, let's get the fuck out of here, like, the whole set is clean, and, and the monster in the closet is the thing that, that sends me over the edge, but, like I've said before on the podcast, like, it's, it's a gradual build, like, there's no way, even four or five years ago, I would have been even slightly prepared for what I'm having to do <clears throat> on these Cabanero tours. Because just think about it. If you're a comedian and you walk out on stage and the first thing you see, just think about this, is a sea of children like 6 to 12 years old. It's like you really have to start thinking about the material you're about to perform because because there's clean comedy and then there's family comedy which is a very different thing because up against each other clean comedy and family comedy are definitely in the same category they they are driving around the same neighborhood and basically what those two shows come down to is content. 
what are you going to be talking about? Because you could do clean comedy at a corporate show or a college show, and you could definitely talk about drinking, or you could talk about relationships or things like that, that that you couldn't talk about in a family show that might be a little too risky. Even if you are doing clean comedy, like I don't think parents want to bring their kids to a show where the whole time the comedian is talking about his relationship with his wife. Granted, the adults who are married and stuff, they would get the jokes and find them funny, but the kids would be kind of lost. So... You know, you have to toe this line in the family show uh, where you're talking about topics that can uh, basically cross all age definitions and, and backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. So basically the 15-minute set that I've put together for the family shows are uh, a lot of poop and fart jokes, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> The kids love the poop and fart jokes. Um, I've got some material in there about how my mom, who's old, can't figure out technology and and how old people are struggling with the technology. And and that's a pretty funny idea that transcends age groups and stuff like that. And, you know, in the end, it... You know, those type of sets where you're doing 15 minutes in front of 8-year-olds, you just want to get some laughs, don't offend anybody, and finish strong. And thankfully, this new joke I wrote about my dad has just been slaying everywhere I go. And it's so clean. It's based on the idea, it's a completely true story, that when my dad got older, he just loved returning things to stores and he coined a phrase called the switcheroo. And I feel like I did a whole podcast on the switcheroo like months ago, but basically he would buy a new thing and put the broken thing in it and return it and get his money back. I'm sure a lot of people have done it. And it makes me laugh that the stores haven't picked up on that yet. They may have, I don't know, but my dad sure got away with it for a long time. Anyway, so Madison, Wisconsin, I was doing the uh, Barrymore Theater, and it was the first night that I was going to be doing 15 minutes in front of children and families, and it was pretty nerve-wracking, but I was confident in the material that I was about to perform, and, and it's always helpful, at least for me, that I know that in that 15-minute set that there's at least three jokes that are home runs. That for whatever reason, like, they they are good every time. It's a joke that what some would call a crutch in your show, one that you know you can lean on no matter where you are or what the crowd is, It's one of those jokes that always gets a reaction. And so I I knew I had those three jokes in there, and I knew one of them was fairly early, one was in the middle, and then, of course, I was closing on the third one. So mostly I just got a little uh, freaked out about 
hitting the time correctly, making sure that I was hitting the 15 minutes and, and all that kind of stuff. So I went out there, I did my set. It didn't go as well as I had hoped. I mean, as I started working through this week, deciding um, what 15 minutes I wanted to do at the Taft Theater in Cincinnati, I knew there was a few weak spots, you know, for whatever reason, like the way the the act was constructed or, um, you know, a few of the bits had to be toned down and some of the, the more colorful language was taking out. So some of the bits kind of lost their edge. And so when I got to the show tonight, <clears throat> initially they had told me to do 10 to 12, which I was fine with. But then um, Michael needed a little bit more time to prepare. So I, uh, I did 15. So I was... I was just trying to figure out, like, and, you know, here, here's kind of an interesting um, behind the scenes of comedy. So I'm, I'm standing in the wings. There's a thousand people in this theater waiting for the show, and I'm standing off in the wings. And in my head, there's like this block of jokes in the 15-minute family set that I have that really didn't do that well last week. So when they told me to do 10 to 12, I cut that section immediately. I was like, well, good. I don't have to do that section because it didn't work that well. It's gonzo. So then they came up and said, can you do 15? And then in my head, I was like, well, I guess I'll just put that section back in and do it again and try to make it work. But literally seconds later, before I was about to walk on stage... In my brain, I made the decision to still cut that section and do a completely different set of jokes off the top of the show. And I know some people are, like, freaking out when I say that. Like, how can you do something like that? Like, I have to prepare so much before I go out on stage or or whatever, but... I was pretty confident in the fact that uh, both of the sections were about the same time, and I figured in my head that I've, I've timed out my family-friendly closer, the joke about my dad, to like a minute and 15 seconds, so I figured if it was longer or if it was shorter... Uh, I would know towards the end of my set and I could add jokes or subtract jokes. I just know that on my clock, when I get to 14 minutes, no matter what I'm doing, I just need to skip to my dad joke. So I got up there and I, I started doing this new opening set of jokes, <clears throat> which was... Um, if you've seen my set, it's all the jokes about Walmart... I just thought it would be a funnier opening because this was my thought process by doing those jokes up front. Because I think the hardest thing for me writing this 15-minute family-friendly set was how to open, you know, because in a regular comedy show, 
when I take the stage, the opener that I usually use is uh, a joke that probably wouldn't work well in front of kids. So, at least for me, like, the hardest thing in the world is to open my show. Like, the middle's fine, the, the end and the closer, like, all of that is easy peasy, but sometimes it's it, it's hitting that opening when you get on the stage because that's going to set the tone for your entire set. <clears throat> and if you come up there and you kind of fumble the opening, it kind of sets the tone, and sometimes it'll affect the entire set when you're up there, you know? So basically, I wanted to do the Walmart stuff because I figured it would be an easy opening to go on stage even if I've been to all these city, <clears throat> these cities before, basically the opening I do is I'm like, you know, it's so good to be here in Cincinnati. This is my first time to Cincinnati, and uh, usually when I come to a city for the first time, what I like to do to get a feel for the city is I immediately go to Walmart, and that got a really big laugh last night, which I, I was hoping it would. And I started doing my jokes about Walmart, and they were they were hitting pretty good. But the tough part about that joke is it usually ends with me talking about the Creep Squad stuff, where <clears throat> it's all about the self-checkout lanes in the porn shop and the guy repairing sex toys and all that kind of stuff. And it took me a long time to write a clean version of that self-checkout lane joke and process of elimination and and fooling around on stage with it, I finally came up with, I don't know if it's funnier, but it's at least as funny as the porno shop self-checkout lane stuff is that I talk about stealing apples at the self-checkout lane, and I don't know why it's so funny. I think the funniest part of the whole joke is that I say, you know, that I'm not going to pay $4 for Honeycrisp apples just because they taste like a, um, a candy bar. Like, every apple I buy is a Red Delicious because the Red Delicious are like the crappy apples. They're like 80 cents a piece. So I go, uh, every apple I buy is a Red Delicious. And then I let it sit there for a second. Then I go... 4422 guys that's the code for a red delicious it's the same at every walmart and i i don't know if it is but it's just a random number and it <clears throat> it gets a really big laugh every time like that i memorized the red delicious apple code <laughs> but i felt like that was a lot more solid of a start last night and the rest of the set was pretty solid <coughs> a couple of the jokes missed a little bit but I felt like all in all last night the set was was really good and and I felt really good about it and you know it's just it's so fun like after the show just sitting in the crowd and watching Michael um, do his magic stuff Um, it is pretty much the same show every night and it makes sense because you know when when bands or magicians or uh, entertainment groups go out on a tour as, like, with comedians. Um, 
they're doing this tour. So they're going to all these cities and they're like, here's this show that I've, that I've written for this tour. And it's like a total comedian thing to say for me to be like, why doesn't he switch it up? You know, it's like, no, he fucking spent a lot of time writing this 75 minute or 80 minute show for people that's entertaining from beginning to end. And for me to sit out in the audience after I've seen the show four times now and be like, isn't he going to do a whole different show? Yeah, because that's easy enough. It's just to come up with another 75 minutes of magic tricks the next night. I'm such a dick. But I do like that there's like a little distinction between the adult show and the family show. Because I watched the show last Friday when we were in uh, Des Moines, and it was an adult show, and it was slightly different from the kids' show on Saturday, so I like that. And, and the bit that he does, <clears throat> he usually does two tricks with the kids. And the second trick where he has um, the two kids... So ba- basically the big trick that he does with when it's a family shows, he brings a little girl on stage and a little boy and they each hold like half a card and they picked them at random and then they, they end up being the same card, the like one half of each of the same card. But it's like the little nuances that he does when the kids are up there and, and the funny stuff that he does with them. And, and when he brings them to the front of the stage to reveal that they both have the same hat or half of the same card, he stands behind him at the front of the stage and just goes, Dearly beloved, we're gathered here to join these two kids in marriage. And it's just funny to watch the kids' faces. They're like, no, 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 I'm not getting married to this guy. And then he gives them uh, these like collapsible wand things and it's pretty obvious with his show, like, the uh, audiences that he draws and the people that are fans of his. It's a lot of families, you know. He's younger, and the show that he does is pretty family-friendly. Like, there's, there's not much, you know, graphic nudity, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a silly show, and it's fun. And he's a funny guy, and and he's got funny bits and stuff like that, so um, it was just a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to be a part of the whole thing, and and uh, so after last week, you know, I got a call from my manager, which is a call that you always want to get, that uh, they really love what I do at the family shows, like, uh, and they want me to do more shows with them, so I'm excited to, to go out there and, and do more Michael Cavaniero shows, and maybe expand my fan base, meet a lot more people in different places that I haven't been before, and, uh, and it's, it's exciting, but, uh, so yeah, I did that, I, I don't know if I talked about Friday, you know, not much craziness happened on Friday, but, uh, so what I did is I went and did this fundraiser in Albany at this bowling alley and um, the room was nice the people were amazingly nice 
obviously a great cause to do uh, stand-up comedy for. But I'm not going to lie, like, it was a tough room. It was very tough. And they... And just a side note, okay? <laughs> so there's there's a bunch of different mic stands that you can get for the stage. And the mic stand that most comedians like is just a regular mic stand where it's got a base and a top and you unscrew the thing and then the top part comes out of the bottom part and, and it it's a, just a normal mic stand like you've seen. <coughs> and then they have these mic stands that have like a hinge on them and those mic stands are basically used for people that are playing an acoustic guitar or you need to pick up the sound of like drums or stuff like that and it's just one of my pet peeves when I show up to a gig and instead of a regular mic stand they have one of these acoustic guitar mic stands And so when I got up there and I started doing my stuff and it wasn't going well at all and I made a move to like do something with the mic stand and not only was it the acoustic guitar mic stand with the hinge, um, they hadn't set it up correctly because the other shitty thing about these uh, acoustic guitar mic stands, it's like a regular mic stand, the bottom of it, is basically just like a steel circle that balances it on the floor. And for whatever reason, um, the acoustic guitar mic stand has like kind of a chicken foot bottom. It's like a a three-leg prong thing. And I feel like they do it that way so the uh, acoustic guitar guy can put his feet out or... It can slide underneath the drum kit or something like that. I don't I don't know the logistics of it. So I'm messing with the mic stand and I'm getting heckled at a at a fundraiser for St. Jude's, which surprised the heck out of me. And I think the worst part about it was there was a kid and kid, I say like kid, he was like twenty-five, was sitting right up front and it was almost like I had uh, my own under the breath ghost director's commentary of my show because like I would do a joke, it would get a laugh and then this kid would say something like under his breath to add on to the joke (coughs) and I couldn't hear what he was saying and it just got to be annoying after a while I was like and then and that's when she said, grab my ass. Ha, 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 ha. And then he's like, get some of that ass. I'm like, what? <laughs> and be like, and that's when the guy said, suck my balls. Ha, 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 ha. Get those balls in your hand and stuff. I was like, what are you saying down there? It was so annoying. And then I got the drunk guy over here and, uh, in the end, they were happy I got paid. Um, the guy who booked me on it, they were happy. So, I mean, in the end, it all worked out. And, and uh, anyways, but I wanted to tell you one more story before I leave. So that family show in Madison that I did last week, the first one that I did, so it was kind of nerve-wracking. And it's, 
it's so funny to me when something is a family show and it's and it's uh, presented as a family show and it's promoted as a family show or a family event or something that's for the family. It's always amazing to me when certain things like that are happening that a handful of parents will still get drunk at it. Like there was a story in the news around Easter time about uh, how the Pez company every year has this like Easter egg hunt where you can find Pez dispensers in this field. And the way they had it set up was they were going to have like uh, this gradual progression of the egg hunt. So they would start it and then the little kids could go out first for like 10 minutes or whatever and then they would allow like the older kids to go out and then in the end like everybody would be allowed onto the field but I I like the idea of like the gradual thing because these little kids like if it was a mad rush you know people would get hurt the little kids probably wouldn't be able to find anything and uh and of course what happened like a bunch of the people are drunk and don't want to wait their turn. So they said go and everybody just started trampling each other and they stole everything and little kids were like crying because they didn't get anything because all these fat idiot drunk adults had stolen everything. So we're doing this show and it, it, it becomes obvious quite quickly. Like, as I'm standing on stage, like, the far upper right-hand corner of the main floor, there's a group of about 20 people up there who I'm pretty sure started drinking at, like, 1 in the afternoon. And they are really drunk. And they really want to be a part of the magic show. So, uh... Thankfully, I didn't really have to deal with them that much because I was only on stage for a short amount of time. But Michael had to deal with them, like, almost the entire time that he was up there. To the point that to try to quiet them down, he actually brought one of their group on stage to help with a magic trick. Which I I wholeheartedly commend him for doing that. There's no way... If I had an audience participation part in my comedy show, I would have never picked from that group because they're so drunk, they're unpredictable. So, and then what happens? He invites this girl on stage to help him out and seconds on the stage, she goes, I can't believe I'm fucking up here. And he's like, settle down. It's a children's show. Don't say those words. And, you know, it went about as much as you could expect. She wasn't following directions. And she <clears throat> swore a couple more times before he kicked her off stage. And it just makes me laugh. Like, I could. There's a chance that they probably didn't know that it was a kid's. Like, a family show. But still, when you get on stage, like, it's hard to miss all the children that are staring at you. And she still said fuck. So, I wonder if she doesn't swear around her children. 
But all in all, pretty interesting week. And right after the Albany show, I just started driving to Cincinnati. So I got done at like 10.30 and I drove, I think, to about uh, Madison. And uh, got to sleep in my car at a wonderful rest area outside of uh, Madison. Got up, drove the rest of the way into Cincinnati, and uh, it was a really good show last night. And it was funny, too, because apparently there's, uh, today in Cincinnati, it's the the P&G Marathon or something like that. And I was like, holy fuck, I gotta get out of here, like, before they start shutting the roads downtown and I can't get out. But there was just, like a sea of people this morning when I was trying to drive the hell out of the city. I I finally made it to the edge of the city and the highway entrance, and I was just like, get me out of here. I commend anybody that runs a marathon. There's no way that I could ever do that. You know, maybe, maybe someday in a few years when I actually get back into shape, but who knows? So, um... This week, pretty big week, I'm going to be doing uh, some more Cabanero dates. I'll be at the Peabody Theater in St. Louis. If you guys want to come see that show, tickets are still available. Saturday, May 7th, it's a big time. State Theater, Minneapolis. I'll be opening for Michael Cabanero, so if you haven't got your tickets yet for that show, (coughs) make sure you get down there. It's going to be an amazing time. And uh, check out largedrunkman.com for my upcoming dates. I have a bunch of cool shows, places I haven't been in a while. I'm going to be at the uh, Stables Casino in Miami, Oklahoma, uh, the 13th and 14th. I'm going to be back for the first time in four years at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, uh, May 2021. And then uh, I think I'm in Lacrosse and Rhinelander, and then uh, I get to do the uh, House of Comedy the first week of June with uh, Ben Glebe from uh, Chelsea Lately. And uh, you can find this podcast at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are available. And yeah, so thanks for tuning in, and tune in next time when we talk about. Yeah.